they're very scary to me because I have had, and we talked about a lot of them before, Abby, I've had a lot of dreams. The most prominent one I could point to with my family was being on a sport fishing boat that sank. I'd seen that happen several times. So when I'm inside the boat and I hear this loud crack and a few minutes later, the floor becomes as water. I've already seen this boat sink. I know I'm going to get my stuff. I know we're getting off. You know, I go tell my family in the moment, guys, the boat's going down. Let's get our stuff. And I understand the emotional side of it. They wanted to save things and they should have. It was worth trying to save the boat. They were trying to salvage the vessel. I knew the boat was sinking. I'd already been on it and sank it before. So we just finished recording an episode of Unhinged for our behind the paywall stuff on Rockfin, on Locals and on Odyssey. And it just was a really good conversation and it felt really important. It was about revelation, which we've been talking a lot about. We just finished up our revelation streams over, well, they're everywhere, but they're on YouTube. (laughs) So anyway, we just thought that this one should also be on YouTube and rumble and everywhere for all you people who won't fork up your, your measly dollars to see our paywall stuff. So. Yeah, and if you guys like this episode, don't forget that we get we do an extra show every week on Thursdays. And there, if you're on rockfin.com slash conspiracy build, you get to see it live. Uh, I think if you're paying behind the paywall, they usually go up on Odyssey. This one, we had a little issue. Sorry about that. Uh, and it's also locals. It's another way to su- support us and get extra content. So we hope you guys enjoy this, whether you're listening on audio, you're watching it on YouTube, you're watching on Rumble. Uh, but this should be a reminder that our full show is on Rumble. It's on Odyssey. It's on Rockfin. It's on all these places. And if you pay for the behind the paywall stuff, you get really great content like this. So enjoy this conversation. Let us know what you think and come over and support us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another totally unhinged episode of Conspiracy Pilled. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. Abby, how you doing? I'm I'm great. I'm great. And we have Austin Wyatt join us today. How you doing, Austin? Hey, everybody. Blessed to be here. Thanks for having me. So, <laughs> good to have you. Um, I just realized as I hit the intro that there was something messed up with Odyssey and we're not streaming there right now. So I apologize for people who wanted to watch us on Odyssey. It's gonna, I'm going to have to upload it afterwards because it's not working. But we're live on Rockfin, so we'll be watching the, the chat over there. And uh, we'll be uploaded to Locals later. So you guys will all get it eventually. I just suck. One um, of these days, we're going to get it all right. Dude, I don't know why. It's just with our unhinged content that I screw something up. I think I've gotten in such a rhythm with how we do our Wednesday show. And then we go to do the Thursday show and I'm like, I've got this. And then I'm like, I don't got this. So I mean, hey, to be fair, if we had one reliable source that wouldn't censor us and run us off and demonetize, you wouldn't have all this trouble. (laughs) That's facts. Facts. It's there. It's the libs fault. That's what it is. (laughs) So we're going to stream to Rockfin to own the libs. That's what we're that's what we're doing. So, uh, Austin, introduce yourself a little real quick. Yeah. Let people know who you are. Who are, who are you? And sure. you who are you? What do you? Yeah. How did you get here? <laughs> we're we're going to give away a lot of information so, here. That's why I'm so confused because me and Abby were like, let's start a stream. And then all of a sudden there's this dude named Austin Wyatt. And I'm just like, <laughs> I guess he's here. Let's <laughs> just going to roll with it. Because we're yeah, so, uh, I'll, I'll try to get, we'll go started here. Uh, my name is Austin, obviously, if you haven't heard by now. I'm from uh, just outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, the feds watching, you guys know that already. So everybody else can find out too. Uh, I'm a construction manager, senior project manager, and a financial controller with a construction company based out of Knoxville. Got uh, Nashville and some uh, Huntsville, Alabama offices. And on the side, which uh, my father would tell you, who I'm lucky enough to get to work with, I primarily spend most of my time studying scriptures and playing sports. And I work, I work is my hobby, he would say. So, uh, <laughs> It's a very exciting to come in on a revelation talk. 
a man after my own heart. My work is my hobby and this is my job. That's how I, that's how I treat it. <laughs> yeah, half the time I tell people, they're like, what, what do you, where do you work? And I'm like, Oh, we don't really, this is what we do. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. I like it. So for people who haven't been following, we have just finished, me and Abby just finished doing five streams over the last couple of months because they weren't <laughs> super consistent. Uh, where we read through the book of revelation and uh, it was something I just, I thought it was interesting. It was a few months ago the people were asking us to read through Enoch. And we decided to read through that and do some episodes that that inspired and obviously stuff that we've covered over the last, however long we've been doing this show, eight months now or whatever. Uh, we've referenced Revelation a lot, so we thought it would be good to just read through it from beginning to end, kind of see what see what we thought about it, see what the Spirit uh, revealed to us, and we just wanted to start having these conversations with people, and I know that that's something that's interest to you, that your job, not your hobby that's right. <laughs> is, uh, is studying scripture. So I love it. And I guess, did, did you catch all or most of our revelation streams? What was some of the thoughts from, from that? If you, if you caught it. So, uh, Abby will have to let me know for sure where I came in, but the first one I encountered was the, uh, the conversation around, um, with a lot of Isaiah and the, the Ethiopian passages. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. That, that was my very first experience. We, I think we, Two days prior to that, Abby and I connected over a conversation uh, in her uh, direct messages about people that had experiences with uh, using psychedelics for possible spiritual encounters or just what they saw in general, mm-hmm. you know, some positives and negatives. And we started talking pretty heavily that morning, had a long phone call that evening, which was really awesome. It just to find someone out there, because like I said, I'd never heard of you all before that day. And I felt like I found people like me. Mm-hmm. Not very many people are prepared or interested in having these kind of conversations. And that was, it was overwhelming to see that there's, that's out there and that people want to know about it to see that you all have a platform based on that is really encouraging. Thank I, you. Yeah. I love, I love the community that's, that's coming around the podcast. I don't think we expected it, it or at least I didn't. PJ sees everything coming, but <laughs> I didn't expect how much of a ministry the a conspiracy podcast would turn into as people kind of coalesced around and and started well, we were just honest about our faith but we didn't we didn't necessarily think oh we're just gonna we're gonna preach every time that's not what we were thinking but but yeah Austin helped out a lot with um, my research for the psychedelics tree of life episode and we got talking about revelation through that um, and I I think the question I asked you at the time was where do you think we are? In Revelation, and that's kind of I think where I want to start tonight. Yeah. yeah so keep, where where do you think asking, we're at? Sorry. Well, I keep asking myself that every day since we had that conversation because the day that we talked, my immediate answer was I think we're somewhere between four or five, but definitely before six. I can't seals? say that. Uh, yes, yeah, with the seals. Um, I pretty firmly believe, and it's strictly based off of it's some studying, a lot of it's faith that the events around the Turkey earthquake impacting the seven churches that mm. Jesus wrote the letters to through John, that for them to all to be affected at one time simultaneously, sort of the way that it's laid out and written sends to me a message that these events are taking place because what we are seeing is associated with what we would call a linear time frame beginning of this book. Those things are taking place. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're not in the death throes of what everyone calls the end times yet, but we are approaching it quickly if we're not there. This is so interesting because there's a few things that me and Abby have noticed. And I want to bring up the Turkey thing in, in just a minute, but there's a few things that we've noticed as far as conversations that are being had now that were not being had a year ago, two years ago, five years mm-hmm. ago, depending on which conversation it is. And, and more interesting than that even is the conclusions that people are coming to all at the same time that aren't even communicating with each other. We we've been pr- We've been compared, and I'm not making this comparison exact to myself, but I think there are some similarities between what we're doing and what Blurry Creatures is doing. And, I, and by the way, fan of their work, they're doing great stuff. But I noticed that they're there's that moped again, Abby. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna close the window. Okay, I, I've noticed I've noticed that there are certain things that are being talked about by people, and I wasn't familiar with their work when we started talking about some of the same things. We just kind of fell into it, and I'm starting to realize that there's other people coming to a lot of the same conclusions when it comes to, to things that are happening in revelation. Um, and we've kind of come at it from a different way. You said that you came into this about the time we were talking about Ethiopia and I'm trying to remember. So help me out with this, Abby. Did you do the psychedelic episode before or after I did the Ark of the covenant? 
Oh, that's such a good question. Because those were I mean, back to back, I but I don't remember it. which way it was. I I'll bet it was right before because there was a few days break. I think I did the Ark of the Covenant right before you did the one about the tree yes. of life and stuff. Yeah, you did our you did the Ark, and then we did <clears throat> part four of the Revelation study and right, then I did the psychedelics. Okay. Okay. So perfect. Cause because um in the study of of what you're doing with the psychedelic thing, what I was doing with the Ark of the Covenant, uh, we came across uh, a, a sermon that was very interesting talking about this idea that uh when it talks in Matthew 24 about this generation will not pass away before these things mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. This pastor was putting forth this idea that it's talking about everything that's happened over the last 70 years that we're really approaching the end of a generation that, that it's being talked about in Matthew 24. And I find that interesting because in 1949 you have the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is where you get the book of Enoch, which has fueled a lot of the conversation around uh, as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end times. That's that's mm-hmm. something we couldn't actually, as Christians, understand what the f- first century uh, church and what the what the authors of the New Testament were really referring to, considering they referenced Enoch so many times. It seems like they were saying, yeah. yes, this is our interpretation of Genesis 6. This is what we're talking about. Um, and that wasn't a possible conversation for Christians to have without the book of Enoch went away from 400 AD to 1949. Same with Israel went away in 70 AD till 1949 and, uh, very, so those things are interesting, but let's, let's get back into this Turkey thing. So this happened. Do you remember, do you guys remember what date this happened? This was a few months ago, right? I can, I want to say it was like the tail end of February. I think it was, I know we talked about it on our show, but there was this massive earthquake in Turkey. I want to bring up a picture here. Uh, this is one of the pictures of of the fault lines and and the I guess you would say the affected areas or something like that. And we got another one here shows I guess the degree of damage. And what I find interesting, what a lot of people pointed out to me is this looks like the Eye of Horus almost yes. exactly. I mean, so much so that there's a weird circular spot right where the people would be. Sh- that's that's red, yeah. the same as the outside, which has the same split. And the same, so actually I should bring up a picture of the Eye of Horus. I forgot to do yeah. that. If it's not supposed to be, it's doing a great imitation by accident. The, um, right. it, was, it was February 6th of this year that this earthquake hit. There have been okay. three times in history that they've had an a earthquake of that magnitude in that area. Once right before World War One, once right before World War Two, and once February 6th, 2023. Well, that's going to launch a rabbit hole too. <laughs> So just to get an idea, there's different kind of depictions of it, but there's the eye of Ra and the eye of Horus, and it has a very similar shape to yeah. to the seismic hazard map of Turkey. Um, you and can even you, kind of see some of the trailing makeup going out of the bottom yeah. in the center there. That's wow. Right. <laughs> right. It's so weird, right? And then you pointed something out to me uh, right before we started the stream that I hadn't heard before. With, with the churches. Well, you, I guess you already said it, right? That the, it, this affected the seven churches that were talked about in Revelation. Yeah. yeah so that, Sorry, go ahead, Abby. For those who don't know, Revelation starts off not as... Well, it starts off confusingly because you, you think it's going to be this book of prophecy, and it is, but it starts off with these letters to these seven churches, and it's like, what what is what is this and why? And I've never understood it. And now we're having this conversation where it's like, oh, it looks like we're approaching these end times. And what do you know? These seven churches have entered the chat. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think you've got with the letters going to the seven churches in a very literal sense that these letters were written and sent to these, which I have no reason scripturally or historically to believe that these would not have been communicated. John could have gotten the information off the island to these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, otherwise we wouldn't have this entire book. I think it's pretty safe to say. Right. But the, the messages that were propelled to these churches in that time, in that very moment, they're important now. They've got scriptural lessons. You know, several pastors in my life have preached out of these uh, to apply them to modern churches. But each of these seven were very significant in helping grow the faith. I mean, this is your funnel. That's your pipeline out of Israel to redeem the entire Mediterranean area and eventually what became the world went that direction through those churches. And this is Paul's backyard, so to speak. Yeah. It's so weird. BJ, come back. I was so much hoping that that wasn't my earbuds going out. <laughs> no, <laughs> my microphone likes to, 
Restream <laughs> likes to shut my microphone off randomly. I think Abby's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, that means you've got to say what you were going to say right now. It was going to be important. I was going to say, I, don't, I think a lot of people don't realize that all seven of these churches are in modern day Turkey. I know I didn't realize that growing up hearing about these churches. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't even remember where I was going to go with that, but I just find that interesting. Well, like, it is- why seven churches in Turkey? I guess you said it's Paul's backyard, so it makes sense historically and ge- geographically for that reason. But I feel like God's got a bigger reason why all these churches are located right here. That's being talked about in a book that is not primarily about these seven churches. Not like, um, or sorry, John. It's not like these were just the like epistle letters that that like the, what Paul mm-hmm. wrote. It's the beginning of something bigger. Right, and you would have thought that they would be the way that I was taught about them. I kind of just assumed they were spread out across the Christian world that existed at the time, but they're not. There's not, it's not like you have one church in Israel and one church in Ephesus and, you know, a couple things here. I mean, for them to all be in this one area of Turkey is, is intentional. It's just a matter of figuring out what that even means. It's interesting that in all the examination that people will do during sermons or Bible studies, that the one thing that no one has ever sat down and taken the time to look at, and I was guilty of this until I encountered the earthquake, was that they the geography of these places, where they were actually at. What you said is spot on. You assume, all right, one's here, one's there, one's there. They're just, this is the little places that are all spread out. It's like the little hubs where they can, everybody can find out what they need to know. Yeah. Now, and of course, that's spread out, yeah. Was this part of the Roman Empire at the time? Yes. Which is to say it was civilized in the west of China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Fair. Okay, fair. <laughs> but everything was the Roman Empire everything at that time. Everything was the Roman Empire. Um, I, had a, I had a point I was going to go with this, um, and I totally lost it. Go ahead and talk, and I'll, I'll come back to it. <laughs> Abby's up. Oh, no. Okay, so... <laughs> Let's just review Revelation a little bit. So we have we have those the first vision that John sees when he's on this island that he starts to record is that Jesus is is walking among these churches and giving these messages to the churches. And then the very next thing is the throne room in heaven and there's a scroll that nobody can read and it's like you have to somebody has to be worthy to open the scroll and well it turns out that the lamb who was slain Jesus is is worthy at once once he's made the sacrifice that he made on the cross he was worthy to open the scroll and so he opens the scroll and it's sealed with seven seals so it, picture that like wax that's poured and sealed and so you have to break the seal to open up what's happening and each seal is a new event that happens in the first few events are the four horsemen of the apocalypse as we have kind of thought of them um so those seals are not easily torn asunder (laughs) yeah so i i picture like these have been holding the seals have been holding back these events right it's not it isn't until we get to the bowls that god is outright doing something to the earth that he's dumping his wrath on the we think of all of revelation as being god's wrath on the earth but it seems to me that the seven seals are like this is stuff i've been holding back and then the trumpets are like i'm just going to blow the trumpet to herald that this thing is going to happen but it's not even i'm not even doing this it isn't until the bowls where god's intentionally pouring out something on the earth so the seals have been holding back the four horsemen which are I've got it right here. So the the seals yeah. go in order. The white horse. What just happened, dude? So I'm telling you. Can I talk. can I just point this out? When, yeah. Whenever we are really onto something, mm-hmm. um, our demonic tech attacks us. And I'm yes. I'm not. I say that as a joke, but not at all as a joke. Yeah. Uh, truly, I truly truly believe, <laughs> and I've I've witnessed this over the last few years that when you really touch on something spiritual and real, uh the demonic forces come after you. And I, I don't care if people think I'm nuts for saying that. It's true. You guys have watched, if people have watched this show, have seen my lights go crazy. Yep. Like, no reason why this light goes crazy when I say certain words, but it does, and that, or that one will at times, or will have issues. So it's not surprising to me. Actually, while we're thinking about that, before I read these, would you mind just giving us a quick prayer, Abby? Because I think it's a good yeah. reminder. Yeah, we usually um, pray in front of the stream. So, yeah. dear Lord, thank you so much for 
this evening and for PJ and for Austin um, and just for everything that brought us to this point. And I pray you bless our conversation tonight and lead us in the directions you want us to go. In your name, amen. Amen. All right. So the first horse we've got, the first seal, I should say, is the white horse, which would be a representation. I'm going to give like a brief representation of what most people think. If you disagree, we can we can talk about But the idea of like conquering power, right? Then you've got the red horse representing war and bloodshed, the black horse, which represents famine, and then the pale horse, which represents pestilence and death. Um, And you said you think that we're somewhere between the fifth and sixth seal. So the fifth seal would be martyrs. And the sixth seal would be the physical changes, like you're talking about the earthquakes. And I think, I kind of think you're right. I mean, starting off with Turkey, we've also got all these reports of uh, the the Euphrates drying. Is the Euphrates drying up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, water in the desert, uh, crazy things happening. So, not surprising to me. So, I, to get into the four horsemen, yeah, I, I go back and forth on these things because it's difficult to lay out. Is this book linear? Is this all? Does this happen in order? Mm. And I struggle with I struggle with the idea that it would be strictly linear. Obviously, the seals come before the trumpets. The trumpets come before the balls. And I like what you said about the differences in those three things. The seals are I think they're signs, like something that people can recognize. The trumpets are let's call them an alarm clock for people that overslept. Yeah, yeah. But by the time we get to the bowls, there's no turning back. Like it's too late. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the saddest parts of this book is when you get to the portions of the time where you encounter and they did not repent, mm-hmm. which it, which tells me two things. One, we as believers, we're gone at that point. Finally, we, mm-hmm. we have a reprieve from yeah. what's going on. And two, it's just, it's devastating to know. I can't imagine as much as it pains me as an individual to and, and we can't understand, but to be the Lord and to have known for throughout the entirety of the law and testimony, the whole time that we have been here, that this was going to have to take place, caring about those individual souls and knowing that they would not come back is very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So Abby's pointed this out before she with, with talking about the seals, right? That it seems impossible that with the 20th century being the, the century of bloodshed, I mean, the most war, famine, like death, uh, concentration camps, system uh, genocide, that it wouldn't have been prophesied in the Bible. So I, I tend to think that you're right on these seals are these warning signs that we have been seeing. Um, I mean, world wars, conquering power, world wars sounds kind of in line with each other. War and bloodshed, right. famine, pestilence and death. If you think of I and mean, even martyrs, I mean, look at what they did to, to people in Russia. Look what China's done to people. Look what... Uh, mm. It, it it's insane to me that you could overlook a century that in no other no other way could be. I mean, just from communism alone, and that's just one of the problems we faced in the last century. Hundred million people on the low end numbers, yeah, killed for this ideology. So I tend to think that you're right. And in the midst of these, we've seen Israel become a nation again. In the midst of these, yeah. we've seen knowledge come back to us through through things like the Book of Enoch. Do you think I'm off on this? Is that kind of where you're going with this? Why? I didn't mean to. Yeah, yo, definitely. No, I, I think uh, why it works either way. I get both to work. So it plays. No, you're fine. I'm I used like that to calling just, people by their last name. It's uh, a <laughs> I, I'm more thing. As a, what is it in the movie Miracle? Herb Brooks says the name on the front. The, the name on the back is, I'm sorry, I mixed it up. The name on the front is a lot more important than the name on the back. Yeah. But I'm pretty proud of that name on the back. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I get to leave for those who come behind me. And I, I'm a big advocate of that. But anyway, um, I go back and forth on the idea with the first four seals, the four horse of the apocalypse, because if you want to go into literal interpretations of what we have encountered, all four of these things have been taking place pretty frequently for well over a thousand years. For sure. Almost, for sure. almost 2000. There, there's been a time where and I can't say for certain, I, and I always want to qualify as much as I have studied. A lot of this is based on faithful, educated speculation. We can we never know the hour and the day. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we it's important that we study. We need to know. But I've been pretty thoroughly convinced at some point in time, and still not certain it's not correct, that if you take the time frame of the Old Testament, all the genealogies, and you get to Jesus, the death, resurrection, and the early apostles. And there's references to that post resurrection 
that there would be sort of a reprieve, you know, a thousand years mm-hmm. for mankind to have an opportunity to reset as persecuted as the Christian church was in this first generation, like with the apostles, as persecuted as they were, they weren't so persecuted that they could not spread the gospel. Right. Uh, you get a thousand years beyond that, you encounter the first crusade, which is really, if you want to think about world wars, effectively yeah. like spiritual civilizations that are modernized for their era. That's what I like to think of as the first world war. Okay. That's interesting. Cause I've also heard the case that the American revolution could be considered the first world war. Huh. Uh, when you, when you put it at scale and realize who was all involved, it was not just America versus Britain, France and Germany were involved as well. So, Oh yeah. I mean, because what the British had hired the the German soldiers was a name for them, and then America, you know, got the the French to come over and fight it for. I mean, yeah, that's true. Some people even say that uh, we would not have won the revolution if the, it was all on the backs of the French, essentially. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's they do love they do love some liberty over there. I mean, the French Revolution was as impressive as anyone's anyone that's ever taken place. The French did it right. That and food. <laughs> right and very very wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think okay. So, th- yeah, we've gone back and forth too as far as have the horsemen happened yet and have they not? It's definitely nice to think that they would have already happened so that they don't have to happen while we're alive because that would not be fun. It's also no time well, frame on this too, if you think about it. I mean, for a thousand years, these four say. horsemen could be wreaking havoc on the world, and and we're and, and you know. We're seeing the other things come to, to come to play. Yeah, Should that's, that's what I want to say. They've never really stopped. You know, yeah. there's no, there's nothing here that says, all right, the rider on the, the rider on the white horse is going to rampage. All right, he's done. Now it's war. All right, right. Simon, your right. turn. This is ongoing. That's okay. my thought too. Is like if these four horsemen are here on the earth, who knows how long they've been here? And there's nothing in the seals that says. Like you said, the white horse will come and then he'll go and the next horse will come because they seem concurrent. War and famine seem concurrent. I mean, let me just read it again. Like conquering powers, war, famine, uh, they seem to be all happening at the same time in World War, right? Conquering power, war and bloodshed, famine, pestilence and death, right? Can I just read the chapter? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, Seven seals, Revelation six. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder come. And I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and crown was given and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and out came another horse bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come, and I looked and behold a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. So that's like a very specific famine thing where like this is how much this is going to cost to have food. And then when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and its rider's name was death and Hades followed him. So that's Thanatos, the Greek personification, personification of death. death yeah. I, it's capitalized. Basically, in the translation, death is capitalized and it's death and Hades. But it sh- I think they should have just put the Greek name there it should they should have said the writer's said the name same was thing Thanatos. About Tartarus where sometimes they'll translate to death but or to hell or to whatever but in the Bible there's a very clear distinction between Hades Sheol right tar, tar, uh, Tars ugh, can't speak Tartarus Tartarus <laughs> yes yeah so it's writer's name was Thanatos and Hades followed him and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with and they were okay you're right so they're all kind of acting together you also said that the the denarii thing, which is interesting because if you don't take it literal as in like people are still using that currency, mm-hmm. there's there's examples of this in history. Uh, I remember it, um, after World War II, Germany, German yeah. citizens were carrying around wheelbarrows full of cash because they just printed and printed and printed thinking they could just print their way out of uh, losing the war economically. And instead, they were literally carrying wheelbarrows to get a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. The Great Depression. Way- yeah. yeah. In a way, too, it almost just suggests economic servitude in that, like, what people work hard for will be just enough to survive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
and they and they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. That's interesting because you say a fourth. Yeah, a fourth. Makes you wonder. So can we look at look at various times where the population of the earth has been affected on that scale of percentages. And you could probably go look at events around that to pinpoint. This is when they were being active. Huh? Yeah. I was trying to think there was a time in the world where a fourth of the people died in in war and famine and stuff like that. Right. Was it, it I want to say during some of the crusades, black plague. That's what I thought too. One and two both. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely been, and, and that's a question of how is this counted? Like a fourth overall time. And then we have we start to have a problem counting because we can say, well, do aborted babies count in this number? Um, do we we don't know how many people? Um, we don't actually have clear numbers on how many people China's killed, how many people Russia's killed, how many people Germany killed. We can we have estimates, and we could even go back older than that. Some of the historical, like the obviously I know it's been stylized, but some of the romance of three kingdoms period throughout China, like civil wars there, wars between China and Japan, Japan and Russia, China and Russia, Southeast Asian countries with China. There's always been conflict on that Eastern front too. If you add all those together, I mean, you've got Chinese civil wars going on the same time as the crusades. And that's effectively the entire world without us really knowing what was going on in Africa. I think it's safe to assume because it existed, that there was significant death, just like there would have been over here in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Has Africa never been, gone. Has Africa never been specific- at war with itself? <laughs> Not even to be specifically there. It's just tribalism has always lent yeah. itself to people are going to, whoever has the bigger sword is going to kill the guy with the shorter one. They always have, mm-hmm. unless they know God. Yeah. Africa has never gotten over tribalism. If you go there today, it's still tribal. So, um, so, are we saying that, like I said, and I did, I said this on our last Revelation stream, what if everyone who has an opinion about Revelation, like the pre-mills, the post-mills, the, the pre-tribs, the mid-tribs, everyone is a little bit right and everyone's a little bit wrong. What if it is true that these seals were opened the minute, like right, right immediately, where, where people say Revelation, where the A-mills say say revelation started and then the four horsemen have been doing their thing from that point until now i mean we're ultimately getting into the interaction between spiritual and physical and as someone who is a fervent faithful believer in that world and realm existing hand in hand along with what we can see and taste and touch that has never stopped just because spiritual activity is not recorded in this book does not mean that there's not good influences and bad influences in people's lives every day. Yeah. So what I guess that leads me. So if we move past the horsemen, right? The -hmm. next one we have is, it talks about souls under the altar. And this has Mm -hmm. been translated as martyrs. Do you want to read the fifth seal real quick for us? Cause I'm just, I'm just going off of a shortened list of, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal... Hold on, stop stop at the fifth seal real quick because... That to me seems to go along with uh, the, what we're talking about uh-huh. where it's like, Hey, here's a ton of martyrs and they're asking, how long is this going to keep going? How long are people going to keep being martyred? And he says, wait longer hmm. to me. That sounds like it, it, it goes yeah. against what a lot of people want to see. when they read revelation is this will happen. It'll happen quick and short and be over. And the next thing will happen instead of yeah. these things are concurrently <laughs> happening. Right. So even in there, when it talks about the martyrs, it seems very clear. It's saying this is going on for such a long time that the martyrs themselves are going like, like come are you on. ever going to do anything about it? Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And he's like, just yeah. wait. Which is so much the spirit of where we're at is like, well, gee, it's been so long. Like, it's difficult to even believe. How, how, how do you forget? And that's, I think that that's what the parable of the talents, uh, I'm sorry, the parable of the oil Lamp is oil. about the yeah. 10 virgins where they're like, 
well, we just brought enough oil to fill our lamps with, and then we ran out. And it's like, well, you really should have brought some backup oil now, shouldn't you have? And it seems so cruel of like, well, how is how are we supposed to know the bridegroom is going to be so late? And there seems to be an admission by God that like, yeah, I'm going to be late. Working in my time and not yours. Yeah. So but I, I also wonder if something's going on in that like, not that he, obviously I'm not questioning his power. Obviously I'm not questioning like, Oh no, God can't do something. But like he seems to say himself, the bridegroom is going to be late. I'm going to be late. Not I'm going to wait a really long time, but like I'm going to be late. Yeah. I mean, I think of that as a, it's a significant moment for mankind in that he is being patient. Mm-hmm. And I, I would not prefer to be martyred today. I would prefer not to be martyred if I can get away with not going out that way. But let me be martyred 50 years from now. Because we have more to do. I mean, that's right. something, Abby, you, know, you and I talked about over and over again. That theme kept coming up during our long phone conversation that first day is that, like, just don't let me go yet because I haven't done enough. And I know I can't ever do so much that I'm going to get like, all right, you got the check mark. Like, you're good yeah. now. But I want for it. To, there's a lust for it to be more. I mean, I, and I use that word knowing the connotations because it's overwhelming. To, to accomplish enough to have been worthy of being saved. Yeah. So you, you've you convinced me thus far that this is at least a plausible take on what's going on. That these four horsemen of the apocalypse have been here. They've been waging war, famine, death. We just talked about uh, pestilence and, and poisoning and stuff last night. I don't know if you caught mm-hmm. that episode, but our governments of the world have been doing it for well over a hundred years, just poisoning their own citizens, poisoning each other, spreading plague Mm. on purpose. That goes back even further. If you think about them throwing plague bodies with catapults over walls and Mm. stuff, right? So they've been doing that as long as they knew it was possible, right? (laughs) Germ warfare has been a thing for a thousand years or longer. Well, longer probably. Um, And, and, you know, you get the idea of uh, pestilence of sowing people's crops with, with salt and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, But as far as all of that goes and going back to my point earlier that it feels like a lot of people are waking up to the same things at the same time. And this to me is is further confirmation that the spirit is moving and it's moving in people and it's revealing things to people in a way that it wasn't uh, earlier in my life in a way that I've never seen before. And it's it's very interesting. Like I said, I'll find people all the time who have been saying the same things that we're saying that we didn't know they were saying it. We're not like copying other people. We're all coming to these realizations simultaneously. It feels very spirit led. And that yeah, comes to what you all were think this was a sorry. I was gonna say if anybody thinks this is a setup, I could not have told you the name Abby Libby or PJ Williams two months ago. I had no right. clue. Right. Yeah. And uh same with a lot of what we've done. Like it's so funny to me that we will be covering things and someone will send us stuff and be like Oh, you must listen to this podcast. You must uh, li- follow this person on TikTok or this person. I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're constantly getting, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're all turning the to the time. same thing. And I'm getting these constant things. Or have you seen this movie? Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's funny because I said exactly that last month, but I didn't, I didn't know that thing. Um, so what I wanted to get to is uh, talking about everybody waking up to the same things. This is the one, one of the things that everybody's saying right now is they're pointing to, to, Tur- to Turkey, to, to the Euphrates, to things like that. If you don't mind, Abby had a video she wanted me to play about more uh, prophecy stuff and revelation. I want to read true. it. I want to read the prophecy first because I think it'll hit harder. Do that. See it after you hear it. So this is from Isaiah 43. And I was in college when this started to hit me in the face and like over and over, it felt like God was like, pay attention to this passage because it's important to you. Um, So it's always meant a lot to me since, but um, it's Isaiah 43 and I'm going to start in verse six. Well, yeah, verse 16, thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. Um, maybe I... Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Great show um, prep okay. on our part, guys. I should have... Yeah, I should have started in verse 18. Verse 18. It's a lot of records. <laughs> Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. All right. 
So let's check let's this out. It. So we've been seeing these videos popping up. And in fact, I was trying to find a specific video and all I did was go to TikTok and just type in the phrase and there's tons. So this is being talked about a lot. So let's check this out. Is this where the waters have been set loose from the earthquake? Oh, I love it. So this is water, water propping up in the desert all over the place. Literally streams of water in the desert. Literally what was prophesied. Geysers popping up, waters flooding. Did you know that right now in Saudi Arabia, there is water coming out in the middle of the desert? Watch this. It's in a wow. bunch of different places, too, all at the same Rivers time. Rivers in the desert. Meanwhile, the Euphrates is drying up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I recall seeing a few nights after. Crazy. A few nights after discovering an earthquake, uh, somebody had posted he was nearby the sea in uh in israel and the seabed was drying out uh, the sea was literally retreating to a place where they had no idea where it could go i haven't Valley? followed that up i don't know i think it was the ocean i want to say he was near uh i don't i, don't, I should know the modern name i want to say he was near what would have been hacker okay. and the sea the sea was retreating and this was not like a low tide thing you know he, he had pictures he referred people to of low tide events the ocean was gone you know this was a moist dry seabed huh it looked it looked more like a dried out marsh and it, it was always underwater you see the high water lines on the walls this place was always underwater and that was a few days after the earthquake there are so many prophecies we've ignored for so long we haven't even talked about them as if they were prophecies it's just like oh that's just isaiah it's just hard to understand it's just whatever and then we're watching like oh Israelites are going back to Israel and that's something that was prophesied and the Hebrew language is going to be re resurrected that's something that was prophesied because that was a dead language for a while and then they, then Until they the early 1900s yeah and that was prophesied the streams of water in the desert um, is not just in that passage but several places in Isaiah um, that that that's prophesied and it's it's crazy to just like watch these things happen and the, the thing we keep seeing about prophecy is that it's not it's not there so you know it's going to happen. It's there so that when it happens, you know who's doing it. You know that it was planned. You know that it means something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason that Jesus could confidently say it is a wicked generation that asked for a sign. Some of that yeah. is about testing God, and a lot of it is. But another portion of that is this stuff was already made known. It's not yeah. that complicated if you have a yearning spirit, a willingness to read and learn, and a faithful heart. It makes itself evident. It's not some giant mystery. And he also told us that nothing would be left hidden. You know, everything would be revealed. Yeah. Jesus didn't tell any lies. You know, my favorite way to look at scripture is always, you know, when I start a new book, I'll go back and read the four gospels. Hey, this is, sounds ridiculous, but it's a good practice. Go read all four gospels and then jump into another book and examine every bit of passage as how Jesus would have talked about it authoritatively and knowledgeably. Through, look at everything through that lens. And you'll find the truth of what that message is. Yeah. Yeah. I So, Austin, I know this is the harder part for you, but I'm really, really excited um, to ask you this question. And you knew Let's it was coming. It. So I did. I'm going to read the end of the chapter, and then I ask you. Um, so, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. So a couple of things I wanted to point out there is it's not saying God darkened the sun, God darkened the moon, or it's saying these things happened. They just, they happened. And I don't know what that means. And then the stars falling tends to mean throughout scripture, a fall, like, the, angels. like fallen yeah. angels. Yeah. Um, it, it's not saying... It's not saying actual stars are falling on the earth, and I don't think it's saying meteor meteors. Um, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Which this, it's weird because our friend Jimmy Corsetti has been talking a lot about pole shift. He tweeted about pole shift today, and I think that this might be what this is talking about of this massive upheaval. Of, of a pole shift that, that people have been thinking about, um, started to think about across the like ancient research space. Mm -hmm. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free 
hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand. So Austin, you told me you had some dreams about this seal. I want to hear that. And I could absolutely be wrong. This, so I'm glad that this is the dream because when you said dreams, you used plural. And we talked about a lot of dreams. And I was afraid you wanted to talk about my dreams in mass. That would be difficult. But this one, I'm not. I'm fond of sharing this one because everyone that knows me in personal life has heard about this. The first time that I saw this, what I, I, don't, I won't call it a vision because I can't stand behind it 100% and say, I know, I know, I know that's what it was. But it resembles all the characteristics of this passage. And it was in Charleston or south of Charleston, Estoe Island last July, a couple of days after my birthday. I've had it again around a few days after New Year's. And then most recently, while I was on that ski trip in Colorado in February, days after the earthquake. Okay. And it's always the same dream. Um, what I saw in my dream, it was a overhead. I was with most of my closest friends and family, about 22 people. We were on a beach. It was a South Carolina beach because I know the sand. It's real gritty and grainy. It sticks to you. And it's not white. It's not white fluffy sand like Florida. We're kind of jealous. But anyway, a purple meteor flies overhead in the sky. And the closest thing that I could point to that it would resemble in a real life sense. Have you all seen the old Disney movie, The Dinosaur? Mm -hmm. It's way, way back. Okay. That scene is haunting. When that meteor falls, that was one of the most petrifying things I've ever seen as a kid. And, of course, someone is skeptical is going to say, oh, he's just recreating that dream in his head. This was different. It was a purple hue with a red rock in the center flying directly overhead. And the center fold of that asteroid or comet or meteor never comes apart. But there's an explosion around that mass. And pieces are launched in every direction, which obviously means a significant part of them are coming down. We're seeing, and this was not, some meteors may be the wrong word. This was a star. You know, we, when we saw this, we saw the purple hue. Before we saw the rock, we saw the light. When it came close enough to say, oh, this is a comet, it, you could see that, or whatever it was, you know, it's a fallen star. Then you see the breakup, and you know, like, luminaries are coming apart and falling to the heavens. As these come through the, through the atmosphere to strike the Earth, stars are blowing up in the background. And this is like, twilight like it's dark enough you start to see the brightest stars it's not dark yet but the sun has gone absent the only light is coming from this meteor and the stars like poofing out of existence they explode and they cease to exist the light's gone and uh so in seeing that we see these fallen stars these pieces of this mass strike the sea and where they land it's not just a splash in the waters like it looks like the underwater nuclear explosions way out in the distance but the sea ceases to be i mean it it retreated into the depths of the earth i mean i like to think in the flood story that that's where it originated there was water stored in the depths and there was water stored in the heavens it's retreating back to the depths places that have been sealed off and you see the ocean which we're standing by becomes as a canyon you know this is tenfold what you'd see at the great the grand canyon just farther than you can see the bottom there's a river left. That's all that's down there. Canyons, crags, caves, caverns, cliffs, you name it. Things that no one has beholden, at least since the flood, come back. People were fearful. That's the part that struck me the most. We're on a crowded beach. I'm with like 20-something odd people, but there's people everywhere. It's sunset. It's a pretty day. People are panicked. The moment this purple hue appears, I remember Everyone was petrified, save for me and my friends. Somehow in this dream, we knew what was to come. This was like deja vu in a dream, especially the second, third time, you know, at replays. We were not afraid. Other people were running, like had they not found a tree to hold on to, a rock to cling to, a cave to dive in, that they would be sucked down to the center of the earth or taken up and destroyed. Just pure terror the most panic I've ever seen. And when I come back to this passage and read this a couple of weeks randomly after I'd had this dream, when I encountered this passage, what really set it apart for me other than the stars of the sky falling was about, I had never noticed this before, but verse 14, the sky splitting apart like a scroll. 
these meteors, the ones that when it exploded, they go in every direction. They left ripples in the sky throughout space and our atmosphere. You could see space that had never existed. It was like unoccupied space. Just if you imagine the idea of taking water and ripping through it, like you're going to splash somebody in the pool, uh-huh. but that water never fills back in. That's what the sky looked like. Holy crap. So, now that, that's a long tangent. So I'll get up no, kind of here with man, you all. Right? Holy cow. There, there's so many things you said that I want to touch on. First of all, yes. um, we've talked about the, the idea of the ringwoodite layer and, and, and uh, how it seemed to me to prove things that, that, always in the Bible were confusing. Like this idea that there was enough water to cover all the mountains there. And we see seashells and stuff like that on the tops of the mountains. And I'm like, but was it a local flood? I mean, just scientifically speaking, like there's not enough water here. And then we find out, Oh, there's three times the amount of water hidden in the depths. Uh, crazy stuff. So like that was one of those times for me where I was struggling with my faith and God's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm ahead of science. Like <laughs> they're catching up to me. Right. So when you, well, you know, you that, have your ice caps in the ice age too, which would have retracted a lot of former. Yeah, moisture. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, there's that, and then you said that it, it was like a Grand Canyon, and it's funny because this is something Abby's talked about a lot, and and we both really are fascinated with is this idea that there's things in the ocean that that our own scientists are scared, scared shitless They're to scared go and shitless. find. I think people have been down there and seen things, and they don't they don't want to explore it. They'd rather explore yeah. space than our own ocean for a reason. Um, and you know, in the Bible, we've talked about these in Revelation. It talks about these ideas of these things being released when the, when the Euphrates river dries up, for instance, mm. it'll release these things that are coming out of it. So that is fascinating. I'm sorry. I'm just blown away by this dream. I think the you- thing that gets me about it is that that's not, that's not how you tell the dream when it's right. a regular dream. Like you, you tell it like, this is an experience that I had in real life and it was real. And, and it, and you had it three times and every detail is so like present. It's, it's, this is what I saw. These, these are all the details that I saw. This is who was with me. This is how I felt. This is what was happening. And like, it's, it's cinematic. I can see, I can see all of it. Um, and that's not, that's how, not a normal dream. <laughs> and you've heard it before. The story never changes. It, it was, and my personal belief, and I won't expect other people to latch onto this, I've already lived through this before. It just hasn't happened yeah, yet. Exactly. You, so, you tell it like you've lived through it. Yeah. That, I'd be that, more surprised if this doesn't occur. That brings me to a point that I wanted to make. You said the sky split open and you didn't say what I was thinking, but it sounded like you were saying that space time was ripped apart. And it was fascinating because we you said something earlier that um, I don't remember what it was, but it, it, it's kind of this crazy theory that I've been working on when it talks about the a third of the stars falling in Revelation. Mm-hmm. It talks about this great war. And there's other places in the Bible where it talks about a third of the heavenly host rebelling against mm-hmm. God. To me, I wonder if the reason that Revelation is written the way it is we, and God knows the end is because they don't live in linear time the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And I wonder often if this is the same third host of heaven falling apart. In Revelation. Have you seen, have you all watched True Detective? Have you seen that? No, I, ha- I, sh- I need to. You definitely need to watch it. So the first season, Matthew McConaughey's character, which is far and away the best role he's ever played, he takes a can and he calls it time. He smushes it. And he talks about being in and out of time. He calls it flat circles. Like all of these things have happened mm-hmm. and they continue to happen if you're on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's like one just is a constant loop, a rotation of events that have to take place, that have to exist. Mm-hmm. But to be in it, you cannot, you can't be in it and know, try as we might, how that can all take place. Now, dreams are interesting. My perspective on dreams has always been it's a revelation of the spirit to the conscious, time present mind of things that have happened, are happening somewhere else, or will happen. Mm-hmm. That your spirit is the eternality of your spirit, it knows those things are coming. Mm-hmm. but where your mind is, there's a, there's a disconnect there. I don't think that we would have ever lost that were it not for the fall. Yeah. You know, that's, that's one of those things I, you know, wish we had a reclamation to something right now. There's so many things like that, mm-hmm. but, and, and so dreams, they're very scary to me because I have had, and we talked about a lot of them before, Abby, I've had a lot of dreams. The most prominent one I could point to with my family was being on a sport fishing boat that sank. 
I've seen that happen several times. So when I'm inside the boat and I hear this loud crack and a few minutes later, the floor becomes as water. I've already seen this boat sink. I know I'm going to get my stuff. I know we're getting off. You know, I go tell my family in the moment, guys, the boat's going down. Let's get our stuff. And I understand the emotional side of it. They wanted to save things and they should have. It was worth trying to save the boat. They were trying to salvage the vessel. I knew the boat was sinking. I'd already been on it and sank it before. So we jumped off. You know, I had a dream seven times as a child that my mom and my two younger brothers, which were the only siblings I had at the time, were carjacked. And I never saw the location. We were just in a, a asphalt driveway in the middle of nothing. But we were parked in a parking spot in a Suburban, which I never realized at the time didn't even exist. It was an 08 Suburban. And this dream first happened in the 90s. And we got carjacked by this guy. And it was the same man. You know, I recall being freaked out that his arms were covered in blood. He had just finished breaking into two people's homes in the Knoxville downtown area. He smashed through their front door windows to go in, and his arms were sliced up before he came and broke in our vehicle. And my grandmother scared him off. You know, he was heavily under the influence of something. He didn't really know what he was doing. She told him, she got him, she got his attention. She fought him from the door. He rested it away. And she said, look, you can have the car, and here's money. She had the wallet. There's kids in here. You're not taking these kids. He turns and looks, and all of a sudden, he just, like, what am I doing? You know, it's that moment of clarity. Just no idea. But where I'm going with all this, I'm sorry for a long tangent. I've never had a threefold reoccurring dream that did not come true. Yeah. Which, if some of those, a lot of them haven't happened, and this is not even amongst the scariest, because the really scary ones that happened to people, they, no one I love and care about was affected by this. We were confident. We knew what was going on. I've seen a lot of things happen to people that it's going to kill me for them to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I see it happen over and over again. That scares me. I pray every day that that's a warning, something to avoid and not something that has to take place. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm just blown the away God. by it, man. The gift of prophecy is a really heavy thing. Yeah. It's taxing. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to see things that you don't want to believe. Yeah. yeah. I found uh, in my own life that it's it's that and it's also when you first start realizing that you are, that you do have this gift and that you can at times see things that uh, the, the discernment is the hugest, the, is the biggest part of this. You have to learn to differentiate your thoughts uh, from, from what God is speaking to you and what he's revealing to you. Um, for me, the first time that this happened, I knew I saw a time and I don't know why this time stuck in my head. It stuck in my head really, really, really hard. And I had no reason. It freaked me out. I was scared shitless of this time. It was like 1123. And I was so scared that I got in my car thinking this is crazy. I've got to stop thinking about this. And it was obsessive. It was weird. And I started driving to a place. I wasn't supposed to leave till 1130, but I left early because I just need to get this out of my head. And at 1123, I slept on black ice and hit a bridge Mm. and it it was just the weirdest. It was like the first time where I felt like God was saying you do have this gift and you've got to learn to to trust it. And then it came for, for, for the next few years. It was like, I could learn to tell when it was, when to trust it and when it was my own fears. Mm -hmm. And that was a, that was a hard hurdle to get over. So, um, Dude, I, I got us. I got us. There's something that's stuck in my head, and I don't know if this is important at all. And Abby's going to be annoyed because I've talked about this too many times, but I got to ask you. I got to bring this up. You talked about this. Ah. Ah. <laughs> what happened? Come back. Hang on. No. <laughs> yeah, we're back. The Wi Fi. Okay. The Wi Fi okay. bailed on me. It reset. <laughs> Sorry. This is. <laughs> So I know it's important because we're trying to. <laughs> yep, that's right. There's that technology right? demon you talked about. You, when you're going to say something <laughs> important, it happens. Um, I had an experience once that it stuck in my head and I can never convey it to people for them to take me seriously or think it's important. So I want to bring it up one more time. <laughs> you talked about this, this comet, right? In, in your dream or how are you mm-hmm. called a star? You said it was a star and you could tell that it wasn't a comet, that it was not a normal meteorite, Right. And it, it had the mm-hmm. purple glow. And you said you saw the light before you saw the star. Mm-hmm. I had a similar experience in real life and everybody thinks it's insignificant and stupid, but I knew it was, I knew at the time it was important and I've never, that's what I normally know to pay attention to something. If everybody's dismissive, it's probably on the right track. <laughs> so I saw what 
and this is a weird one, so I'm going to try to explain as best I can. There's a history, if you've ever read Project Blue Book, which is a real government document about the government looking into UFOs. And in 1947, I believe, they started seeing these green meteorites, these green comets. But they said they're not normal. They're turning. They're moving. They're, they're not meteorites. They just knew. People who saw them knew. And people mm-hmm. and everybody else is like, well, I mean, you know, like there's certain metals that could come through the atmosphere and burn a certain color. Sure. But these weren't that. And our government knew that. And they started studying these things and they never came to a conclusion on what they were ever. And I didn't know any of this before I saw one. And I had to start looking into this because it, it freaked me out so much. But I was driving and the whole sky turned green. And I mean, the whole sky turned green. And I never would have seen this meteorite had I not had the sky not turned green because it was nowhere in my field of vision. So I had to look over my shoulder and watch this thing. And I don't know how to describe it to people in a way that doesn't make it sound like a freaking comet. But it was so big and so strange and so bright that it's never left my mind. It was the weirdest single thing I've ever seen, and it's impossible to explain. But I just mm-hmm. wonder when I read it, when I hear about things like this, and we, as we talk about stars falling, like, is this something, is this a spiritual being that I saw? And is that why it, it stuck out to me so much? Was this like what it's talking about in Revelation, like something coming down from the heavens? I would say certainly spiritually significant, yes. Without having, without having seen it, I would absolutely say that you're on the right track. And the reason it makes no sense to people is that I will nail it down to the wisdom of the world becomes as folly and folly becomes as wisdom. Yeah. These things aren't supposed to make sense to the academically astute and well-educated. They're never going to believe these things. Someone more qualified didn't put it in the book, right. but you saw what you saw and you had faith in the sermon enough to believe in what that was. This is where I wish I'd had an opportunity to go on the record of having seen green flashes before. Yeah. <laughs> before you told me this. I, so I, what I'd love to do, honestly, I have friends that I have shared something very similar to what you described. And I'd love to, I'll try to do some, like maybe do a recording with them, even if it's just okay. a few minutes and talk about those experiences. All I'm going to do is set them up and ask them, what did I tell you about this? Just, I'm right. not, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Hard as that is for me to do, I like to talk. I'm just going to shut up. Um, I have encountered something very similar to that in a, uh, in a, with the sense of the green lights and then a lot of tornadoes followed behind it. And I've had that dream several times. That happened right next to my home and that has mm-hmm. not come to pass yet. We don't get tornadoes in East Tennessee. But right. we probably will at some point. If things keep getting chaotic. They're going to navigate Oklahoma and Alabama. Come to us. <laughs> yeah. So, man, you you said when we started this, and it's just true, and me and Abby know this of ourselves as well, that if we, with this subject, did not set a hard time, we we'd be here till midnight. And just Absolutely. because of our just because of our upload limit with with things like locals and stuff like that, we do need to end this episode. But man, it has been awesome talking. Oh my to gosh, yeah, Thank it's you. been great. I would be honored to come back anytime. Use me as much as you need. It's what I'm here for. Well, I, I can pretty confidently <laughs> say we'll, we'll have you back on for sure. Yeah. It's been awesome. <laughs> so right. any final words of wisdom to, to the people that are watching this? Uh, yeah, I do have one really quick thing, and this is not the right one. This is not the right thing to bring up on a podcast called Conspiracy Pill. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So don't, uh, don't think I mean this in the wrong way. So, uh, Abby, you and I read this. I think I may have sent this to you the day after we first talked. Okay. Or it may have been first morning, but it's Isaiah 8. It starts in verse 11. And it's not to say that there's not conspiratorial things going on, but the whole idea of this passage is to trust that God is in control. And thankfully for this book, we know where we end up. It might be a hard road to get there, but we know where faithful servants end up. And that makes me confident. But starting in verse 11 in chapter 8 of Isaiah, For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of this people. And that's referring to Israel, saying, You are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. He shall be your fear and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary, but the both the houses of Israel a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. They will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples, and I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will look eagerly for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. 
That's through verse 18. I'm so glad you read this for a few reasons, because one, yes, we do a conspiracy podcast, (laughs) but... One of the things that we've be- kept in, you know, front, front and center with what we do is we don't want to black people, black pill people. Yeah. We don't want to to tell people there's no hope because how could we? We're Christians. We believe uh, in the promises of God and we believe in the hope. And you said getting, you know, snared up in this. It reminds me of something else we talk about a lot with, uh, unfortunately, and I love some of these people, but I think a lot of the the real Q believers, um, to them, it's their hope and trust is in this this conspiracy, this plan that Donald Trump's going to come back in on a white horse and save them all, and it's very blackpilling, and they're very depressed. A lot of these people, and I try to tell them, I'm like, that you're looking in the wrong places. Like that is mm. that is not that's idolatry as much as a, yeah. a rock or wooden statue. Yeah, ultimately. absolutely. But, so, and I, the reason I wanted to say that is you all are not. They call you. You call yourselves conspiracy conspiracy pill, and you talk about conspiracies, but you are not spiritually conspiratorial. You, right. Your faith rests in firm foundation with the Bible, and you have that trust, and you have that faith, and that witness. That testimony matters a lot. What you all question and criticize is the actions of wicked men and women mm. who seek to subvert and take advantage of mankind and steer them away from the truth. And the last thing I'll say tonight and let y'all wrap up, it's my favorite quote that I've ever heard from a person that I've known, and it's from my wife. She said, no one ever cared what I said until I started telling them the truth. And that's, she said that one night in a Bible study and that seems really simple. It sounds cliche, but it blew me away. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Absolutely. <laughs> Wise words of wisdom. <laughs> that's what we Shout do. Shout out to Summer. <laughs> All right, Abby, you want right. to take, lead us out? Have a good night, everybody. It's been such a blessing to have Austin on and uh, thank you for being here. All right, we'll be Thank back Wednesday with uh, Alan Aguirre. It's going to be a great conversation. We'll get into some Revelation stuff again. I'm absolutely sure of it. So have a, night, a great night, everyone, and God bless.